This episode of The Deeper Dig is brought to you by the attorneys at Downs Racklin Martin, who achieve maximum efficiency by developing exceptional depth of knowledge within specific areas of law. From regional entrepreneurs to Fortune 100 companies, DRM works with an array of individuals and businesses to solve the toughest legal challenges. Anything is possible when imagination and pragmatism live side by side. Downs Racklin Martin, business sense, legal ingenuity. So can you tell me about how Montpelier gets its water and why that system is so unusual? So Montpelier is shaped like a bathtub. And the water that Montpelier residents drink comes from Berlin Pond, which is this like beautiful pond located up uh, on a hill in Berlin. The water comes down through pipe system into the downtown area, that elevation changes around 450 feet, which doesn't sound like much, but those hills are pretty steep. And then it has to go through the downtown and go back up to higher elevations on the other side. So other cities have systems where as that water comes down into the downtown area or comes down a hill, there are pressure reducing devices. But Montpelier does not have a system like that. Montpelier relies on gravity. From VT Digger, I'm Riley Robinson. This is The Deeper Dig. Here I'm talking to Emma Cotton. She covers energy and the environment here at Digger. And lately she's been taking a look at the water system in Montpelier. The capital city faces a literal million dollar question, really a multi-million dollar question, about some pretty crucial infrastructure. And Emma will explain this more in a bit, but the state and the city don't necessarily agree on what to do next. Um, They have a few pump stations to get water back up the hills, but um, mostly they're relying on that sort of high water pressure to operate the system. So what that means is that uh, water pressures in Montpelier's downtown area are around twice the state standard for what water pressures should be. So the state recommends that on the higher end, that water pressure is around like between 60 and 90 pounds per square inch or PSI. And in Montpelier, it's 200 PSI. There are some really big uh, ripple effects, so to speak, um, from this. So, you know, for example, this summer, uh, there were a number of water main breaks in this one area. And when one water main breaks and they turn the water back on after they've been working on it for a little while, it starts the water suddenly. And that causes a ripple of pressure to go through the system. That's called a water hammer. So what happened this summer was that water hammer, that intense wave of pressure, um, broke a pressure-reducing valve on an apartment building in Montpelier. And then once the pressure-reducing valve was broken, the normal water pressures of the city just sort of ripped through this old apartment building's really old pipes. And all of those pipes sort of collapsed in the building. Uh, There was flooding in the building and residents went without water for several days. Like this apartment building that you just talked about, when there's significant damage to a building, to someone's home, because you're working in this highly pressurized environment, who pays for that? From what I understand, there are processes you can go through with the city if it's very apparent that this is caused by city water pressure. Um, you know, you can go through the city's insurance process to be re- reimbursed, but 
I know that there are a number of residents who have not been able to sort of prove um, that it's, you know, that the problem that they've experienced is from high water pressure. And, you know, so that that gets left to them. And sometimes these can be really expensive problems to fix. So very often um, you have residents, as long as it's on their property line, you have residents and uh, business owners who are paying to fix for paying for these fixes. How often in the past few years has there been a water main breakage in Montpelier? Over the last 10 years, um, there have been around 260 water main breaks in Montpelier, according to um, records that we looked at for this story, which, if you break it down, is around uh, one every two weeks. It doesn't happen quite like that, but uh, it's a pretty significant number of water main breaks, many of which have been pretty disruptive for the community. So boil water notices, basically the pressure is so low in the pipes that it could potentially suck in things into the pipe system, question mark? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, contaminants, E. coli, um, you know, debris, when the water system experiences that low pressure, it can suck those kinds of things into the water system. And Montpelier's water system is chlorinated, so some of that chlorine in the water would help to sort of disinfect whatever's going on in there. Um, but, you know, I spoke with state officials about this and they said sometimes, but maybe not always, it depends on how much chlorine is in the system. It depends on a few different factors. So to be safe, whenever there's a pressure drop in the system like that, it is safest to boil your water. Tell me about what you heard from people in Montpelier about what boil water notices do to their days? Um, you know, part of this is boil water notices and part of it is water shutoffs. So um, typically when you are repairing a water main, you know, you have to shut off water for a little bit of time. So both of those things can be pretty disruptive. So um, we heard that U32 middle and high school has had to close school a number of times over the years. I think it's been around once per year, sometimes twice a year um, because they don't have water. They know how to deal with boil water notices now. They said they don't even blink anymore. They just, you know, they can handle that. They have a whole system set up in place because they deal with it so often. Now we have an entire system set up. <laughs> if we have a boil water notice, we have uh, we can get potable drinking water pretty quickly um, to our um, throughout the building, so it's not a problem for us. Um, and our kitchen can operate. This is Stephen Dellinger Pate. This is his ninth year as principal at U32. There's there's some little things you have to, to think through. We've, we've just got extra water. We actually fill up. We have water jugs that are um, on standby should we ever go into that situation. And we go fill them up from our central office because they have a well. And so we go fill up all of our um, our water jugs uh, across the fields from us at our central office and truck them back over here. And we set them up throughout the building. And Stephen said the water shutoffs started a few years after he arrived at U32. No, actually, the first couple of years, nothing happened. And then suddenly, you know, there was that day like five years ago where I walked into the building and they're like, there's no water. Oh, like, well, what does that mean? Like, no water. <laughs> like, literally, no water coming out of the faucets. And for us, the, the biggest issue is you can't flush a toilet. Right? Oh, and sure. so yeah. You can't have a thousand people in a building in which you can't flush a toilet. Yep, that sounds like a problem. Like we can manage if, like I say, if we can get any kind of water into the building, we're fine. Because um, that's really the biggest concern. 
Sure, sure. And everything else we can manage. Okay. Yeah. Um, were you, did you hold any roles in schools before you came to Montpelier? Um, oh, yeah. I've been, uh, I've, I was a principal for seven years before that in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. Any problems like this there? Never had run into that. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to double check. Um, I, I mean, boil notices, yes. No water, no. Never had that issue. <laughs> okay. And were boil water notices a, a common thing in Connecticut, would you say? Or? No. Okay. No. I think I dealt with it maybe one time in my career. Whenever a restaurant is issued a boil water notice, um, they have to take a number of precautions to make sure that the food that they're serving is safe. Um and if they can't take those precautions, they have to stop serving food. Um, so we talked to the owner of Mangy's Bread, who said they've closed a number of times because um, they don't have a setup to boil their water. We're dependent on water to operate. Um, so we had a we had a closure one day um, over the last couple of months. Other than that, I think there have been about five different times where they've had to dig uh, That's street. Steve Stauffer. Steve and his wife, Maria Mangi, own Mangi's Bread on School Street in Montpelier. School Street is closed right now for an emergency water line repair. I would say that it is, it's definitely a severe, a severe impact. It, it's, it's severe enough that if we, if we close, we certainly can't have our staff here who are reliant on, right. on their jobs. Um, it's our, our business, so... You know, our daily bread is our daily bread, so to speak. It's our <laughs> income. And if we have to not have a day of income, then that's, you yeah. know, that's inconvenient for sure. They they often have had to, to close. Um, and they say, you know, they've been able to, to make that work. Um, I think they have sort of the flexibility to, um, you know, absorb a closure every now and then. But for other businesses who have struggled during the pandemic, closing down for a day can be really difficult and disruptive. And I think this is a problem we see around the the entire state. We have old infrastructure and typically not enough money to do something about it. Um, And I think Montpelier has some some really tough um, questions to ask about how much to pay for this, you know, the system. Water pressure is what makes Montpelier different than other communities, but it's not the only um, source of the problem. So Montpelier also has really old water infrastructure. Some of it's around 100 years old. Um, some of it is less less old. Um, it was installed a few decades ago, starting back in the 1970s. These are ductile iron pipes, um, and they are failing before their lifespan is up. Montpelier has acidic clay soils that react with iron and sort of corrode the iron pipes. So this is sort of a compounding issue. You have this high water pressure, you have water hammer issues where the pressure gets really high after, you know, a break or something happens in the system. And then you also have these pipes that are sort of falling apart um, just because of the way they're reacting with the soil that exists there. So Montpelier has really tried to focus on replacing pipes and installing pipes that are going to do better in those soils. I think they're installing copper pipes. I think there's maybe some plastic pipes that are going in. So that's sort of been their mission is, you know, over a series of decades, we are going to install 
new water mains that can withstand the pressure and that will not corrode in the soils. But the state has the power to regulate and permit local water systems. And those regulators said, hmm, hold on there. You know, they grant Montpelier a permit to operate. And in their most recent permit, the state has said, yes, we agree you need to replace your pipes. But you also need to address water pressure. And, you know, when this first sort of came out and city officials were learning that the state was going to require this of them, there was some big pushback from city officials because they felt like they already had a plan. They didn't feel like addressing pressure was the most effective way to fix the system. And they acknowledged that this was going to be a really big, really big cost. Um, and they were nervous about what that was going to do to ratepayers. The other thing with, with pressure is, again, this system was designed a long time ago. And it's the water pressure that pushes water up to the water tanks on the other side of, of town. You know, So it's a whole hydraulically balanced system. If we were to cut down on water pressure coming into the city, we would then have to build a series of pumps to fill the water tanks on the other side of town. So now we have mechanical, potential mechanical failures, which could, which could. Really that was Bill Frazier. He's been Montpelier's city manager for decades. You know, you're trying to use the least amount of energy, right? And I think that's one of the city's concerns about installing more, you know, devices that control pressure is that, you know, they want to keep energy costs low. They want to use less energy. And it, it does take energy to pump water up a hill to slow it down. You know, it's also incredibly expensive. And so taking an approach of reducing pressures that we would then have to boost again, you know, construct another pump station, potentially our series of pump stations, um, in order to continue to serve the upper regions of the city. just doesn't seem like an economical approach to the unearth. Um, we think it's better to, you know, address the old pipes and get those fixed, um, and that will really resolve the issue. That's, that's my um, opinion. This is Kurt Modica. He leads Montpelier's Department of Public Works. So, uh, so yes, we did have some back and forth with the state, um, you know, wrote a few letters back, you know, just trying to convince them that, you know, that was the right approach. And in the end, they did um, revise the language um, in the bill period. Um, they reissued the permit with the revised language that was less restrictive, and it was really just about evaluating alternatives rather than developing a plan. The city is now engaged in a hydraulic analysis, so they've hired some folks to come in and sort of understand what the water pressure system looks like in the city. And the city officials are saying, you know, we're going to see what the results of that are, um, and we're going to move forward with their recommendations. Um, but city officials in the past have really put up some walls against holistically addressing water pressure. We, we talked through it and tried to come to an agreement, but in the end, you know, this is what uh, this is what the permit was. This is Dana Nagy. He works on local drinking water at the Vermont Agency of Natural Resources. He's one of those state regulators that went back and forth over this permit. From my perspective, and I'm not saying this is a division, but from my perspective, it's going to be more costly for the water system to spend the next 50 years trying to replace all this pipe, but not actually fixing the the the, the problem. You know, the state, I think, really believes that this is what's setting Montpelier apart. This is what's making them have such high numbers of water main breaks um, and, you know, so many boil water notices. So, you know, there's a little bit of tension there, I would say. You 
know, I, I don't think we're predisposed to fight anything. You know, I think we we want to do what's best for our system and for our users of our system. And we'd want to see what the information said, and mm-hmm. we would want to figure out the cost and the time and what it would take to to do that. Um, you know, I think the issue with the pumps is, you know, for, they're also really costly, and so the same ratepayers are going to be paying for them. And if we're installing pumps, we're not replacing lines. So I think, you know, there's just a lot of decisions to be made. Just thinking about this, I can see why city officials might push back on this language. If I'm understanding the cost bit right, it sounds like the state can come in and say, you need to kind of redesign how water is delivered. And it's going to be very expensive to the relatively small number of people who live there. And you're going to have to pay for that. Unless there is infrastructure money that they could use or federal funding. So I've talked to folks about that as well. And I think the problem right now is that there doesn't seem to be a clear pipeline toward getting that funding for this specific um, use. I think the money that's sort of tied up in in those federal uh, bills is a little bit more more tricky to access than than we understand as members of the public. Um, and you sort of have to um, have a direct line of access toward that funding, which just doesn't totally exist for something like addressing water pressure in a municipality um, at this at this time. So, um, you know, I think something might open up that helps them apply for that funding. And, you know, official de- officials at the state are certainly saying this is the time to take on a project of this magnitude if you're going to, because there is federal funding floating around. It's just a matter of sort of determining, determining whether, whether and how Montpelier can access that money. The other problem, too, is that Montpelier probably will need to address its drinking water pipes, which is a really expensive project already. Some of these projects are multi-million dollar, dollar projects. So, you know, it's sort of um, addressing pressure would probably be in addition to those existing projects, not instead of, which is, again, expensive. I'm just thinking this past legislative session, it seems like there was a lot of optimism about the possibilities for working on infrastructure. Like this was a moment, this was a moment where we have the capital to do these big projects. There was a pretty large chunk of money set aside specifically for water infrastructure. Do you think that's going to address the kinds of things that we're talking about now? Or are there other water infrastructure things in the state that are more of a priority? Yeah, I think that, I think the goal is to be able to address everything, but I think there are some priority projects like addressing PFAS and addressing lead that some of that money has been specifically allocated for, which just um, makes the rest of the money, the pot for the rest of the money a bit smaller. I think these projects are also expensive enough that while we see those numbers and we think, wow, that's a really big number, we're going to be able to do so much with this, um, some of these projects are, you know, millions of dollars replacing one water main, you know, in Montpelier is a $7 million project. So, you know, when you start thinking about how many water mains need to be replaced, how big of a pot that that money is, and then all the other municipalities that also need to do things, it just starts to get 
harder and harder to access that funding. Are there other communities around the state that are dealing with similar water infrastructure problems? Um, there are any number of, of communities around the state that are dealing with water infrastructure Um I mean, I know there was a big pipe replacement project in Bennington recently where they got rid of lead pipes. There have been big water main breaks in Barrie and White River Junction that have been really disruptive recently. I know Burlington has a similar number of water main breaks as Montpelier. They've had to issue less boil water notices because they have typically sort of been able to maintain pressure in their lines. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some other communities were experiencing water main breaks because of that combination of clay soils and iron pipes. You know, that's sort of when you start to to factor in water pressure. I think with Montpelier is one of the factors that um, sets them a little bit farther apart. You went through a lot of public records for this piece. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you found? One of the the interesting things that I found was that city officials were very responsive to folks who were writing in with concerns. Um, that's something that I heard from the people I talked to over and over. They would have a concern. They wouldn't know why their water was turned off or something, but they would always sort of reach out and get immediate answers from the city. Sometimes when the city was responding to folks, they would sort of go into more detail about what they were going through when all of these water mains were breaking. And, um, you know, there was one email from a former head of the Department of Public Works in Montpelier that sort of struck me. She said that their entire system broke down around a water main break and that they had three at, at one time. One of the water main breaks caused two sinkholes to pop up, um, which they also had to address. Staff at DPW have quite a lot on their plates with this problem. Um, and sometimes it means that you know, people at DPW have to work through the night or have to work in the freezing cold to address one main break only to have another pop up because that water hammer effect often means that these happen in clusters. So sometimes it's just sort of three emergencies are going on at once and you have staff who who have to deal with that. I think a lot of the times water is one of those things that we take for granted if you're in a building, if you're in a school, if you're in an office or in your home, you just assume you can go to the tap and you'll turn it on and there will be clean, safe, drinkable water there. So why, for folks who don't think about this day in, day out, why should they care about water infrastructure, especially at the local level? Yeah, I think that's a great question. A number of folks I spoke with brought this up, that we don't think about it until something goes wrong. Um I think in reality, these systems need a lot of maintenance. It doesn't sound like a very exciting thing to put your money into as a, as a resident, as a ratepayer. Um, you know, we can be building parks, we can be building green space, we can be doing so much with that money. But, um, you know, when these systems start to, to fail on us, I think that that's a pretty significant problem. You know, I think a lot of people... We're saying, you know, we can just deal with this. It's an inconvenience. You know, it's, you know, maybe not life-threatening. But I think sometimes these are compounding issues. There's that expression in New England. It's sort of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and I think with this particular 
This particular system seems to be an example because things are breaking really quickly. If you look away for too long, um, you might be left with something that is really hard to fix. You can read more of Emma's reporting at vtdigger.org. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you stream podcasts. This episode used music from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon.